Hello and welcome to the True Works Podcast, the podcast that attempts to help you understand how the gospel can transform your work and your wider life. I am your host, uh, Joshua Smith, and this is my co-host, the esteemed Doug Meikle. Yeah, I am Doug, and apparently Joshua is just attempting on this podcast. I, uh, I thought I would lower the bar. Yep. If you yeah. did not realize this already, Joshua merely attempts to fight his way through these podcasts, but that's okay. Yeah. And you be the judge whether I succeed or not, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you be the judge. You be the judge. Today we have, we are discussing a, a newer book to the mm-hmm. uh, Faith Work Intensive Curriculum, uh, Art. It, it's a work by a, a new author, at least to, to Doug and I, uh, called, is it Art and Faith or Faith and Art? I can't remember. It's I think it's Art and Faith. Art and Faith by, I'm going to butcher the name, Mako Fujimara. Perhaps. Yeah, I think I think actually the way they put it is Mako. I think but Mako. I'm, but Mako I might, I might Fujimara. Be, now yeah. you're you're the linguist among uh, us. Yes, I am a linguist, especially of Japanese names. I mean, I I feel I am completely confident about those. That is your specialty. Yes, that yes. is definitely among my specialty. Things, that and Scotch. That's yes. kind of what you got down. It's kind of what I do here. And uh, this text, it's. It's a great text. It's a little text, about 130 pages. And what we have our faith work intensive do, we uh, have them do, read through four of the chapters. And it's quite a fascinating book because we don't typically, um, there's been a, a pretty strong emphasis in the faith work intensive on business, science, or engineering, but uh, a neglect in the past on what about this whole phenomenon of human experience and human creativity of the fine and performing arts? And what we have here in uh, Mako's, excuse me, yeah, yeah, no, I said it right. Yeah, yeah Mako's book is a, a, an artist. He is uh, both a visual uh, painter, but I also think he does uh, sculpture and pottery as well. Um but also someone, so he's an artist, but also someone who is articulate. Yeah. And he's a Christian, um, but an articulate Christian, theologically rich, which makes him like doubly or triply, I guess, if, if that's a word, uh, rare. Yeah. Um, we have so many, uh, we have some great Christian uh, artists, but difficult to articulate, and then some uh, great... Uh, Christian thinkers and theologians, but that are not artists. He brings these two together about not only um, how to be a Christian artist, but really the necessity of us as Christians being makers and creators ourselves. Fleshing that out is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so it's interesting you said in passing there, and I don't know if he would use this term or not. You call him a Christian artist. I don't think he would use that term. Mm. I think you just mm. call himself an artist. Who happens to be a Christian. Yeah. Mm. And in fact, mm. maybe even something, a more deep challenge than that, that all art is somehow God-inspired. And yeah, the fact that the act of making is uh, is what separates us as created beings from the rest of the creation. Yeah. Uh, uh, in a sense, giving that 
kind of label yeah. in the same way maybe Chris, Christian engineer. Yeah. Well, there are good and bad engineers, and yeah. you can do it to the glory of God or or not. But there's no like uniquely Christian engineer that's no. different than that's different. like yeah. the uh, the other way. Yeah. In the same way. In kind the same of way. I, and I think artists. I see one thing that's about fair. him though that you did see that I I thought was really. A great thing. Well, that about well, that's book. a relief. Yeah, yeah there's a relief. There is one thing. One yeah. thing you said um, was how unique it is to see someone who, as as a practitioner, is this kind of uniquely good practitioner, kind of world class practitioner of whatever craft or art that he or she does, but also has this gift also of being able to give the observer a kind of a deeper insight to that process. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a that's a very rare thing. And I think what you have in this book is a person who is as you know, kind of uh, really at the top of his game in terms of a uh, as a, as an artist or a craftsman, but also is able to give you insight. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a really profound thing about this little book. And I think this book's a bit different than the others in this podcast. You guys have been in this now for you know this is episode eighteen. You've been in this for seventeen episodes. These books. Me personally, I've read them three or four times, all of them now, right? Mm-hmm. We've been mm-hmm. doing this for six or seven years. This book I read in the last week, and I'm not sure I've got it, I've got it processed yet. You know, yeah. I think yeah. it's really, yeah. but it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. kind of a profound book in its own way. It asks of us some, in its own way, very deep questions, I think, about what do we do with, with our lives and what do we value in our lives and what's the place that art can have within it. And I think, again, mm. it can do that because for some artists, and this is no knock on any of these artists, the, the art that they create is their creation. They, 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 when asked to explain it, they say, well, you watched it. Precisely. That, that's the, it. This is another yeah. aspect of the, like just fleshing out why it's so unique that he can articulate it. Yeah. Because uh, the, the beauties... Uh, and the designs and, and the crafting of mm-hmm. art is sometimes or often perhaps mysterious to the creator. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like I use a very down-to-earth example about my mother-in-law. I, I love my mother-in-law a lot, and she was a big influence on me. And but and she's a great Christian, but if you were to ask her, how are you a Christian, she wouldn't be able to tell you because she just does it. You know, it's her, mm-hmm. it's kind of this innate craft that she has that she's able to do it. And it's likewise some people who are sportsmen or sportswomen, they can coach and others can't. And maybe the greatest of all sportsmen can't coach because ultimately it's exactly. so deeply intuitive to them. That's not a they, translation. They just right. can't, they can't translate it to other people. Whereas this book is you're dealing with a person there who's a world-class artist who is able to give you this kind of deep insight into his craft. I think Perhaps it's useful, uh, or there is part of his craft that's very useful in that regard, especially with this kind of Christian framing. Uh, he has this art called, I, I believe the pronunciation is Katsugi. You're uh, the Japanese expert. Yeah, I am the Japanese expert, and am I not? Yes, but, uh, and it is, um, many of you guys have probably seen this thing before, it's the, it's the art of taking a broken piece of pottery and bringing together the broken pieces and, and gluing them together and adding minerals, particularly, I think, gold most of the time, to bring this uh, piece of pottery, for example, back, not to its original condition. That's an important thing in, mm. in the kind of theology of that making, mm. uh, is that, that you don't bring the pottery just back to its original creation. You actually almost remake it, renew it, and make it kind of, um, and, and renew 
make it fulfill some kind of greater purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think he uses that in the course of going through these chapters as the, the analog is obvious there to what's happening in the grand arc of the Bible mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. uh, it's not so much that the broken pieces are just glued back together again and everything is the same. We, as he puts it in there, it's not like we just get back to the garden. We actually get to that city, that celestial city. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's a that's a beautiful metaphor for the art and the and importantly when they put these pieces back together i i can't remember if you said this uh the what binds that are typically precious metals platinum and gold gold. yeah and so it's 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 quite striking to see these crevices that are on the you know the the lines of the break of this piece of pottery and then filled in yeah uh is gold and and platinum yeah um so again has the point there being is that as as that piece of pottery is being remade it's not simply being glued together and made like it was mm-hmm. it's being renewed and made it's better. not just fixed yeah, right he uses fixed. he uses exactly. this term of it's not fixed just fixed yeah yeah and he has uh this nice kind of a- analogy comparison of what christians think of Really, what the gospel is doing yes. Um, yes. Yeah. to to the world. So, like how how we even uh, position and display and share uh, the gospel about what it's actually doing is often that it's just fixing yeah. broken pipes, is what yes, he exactly. said. Yeah, the, the plumber's yeah, the pipes. The plumber's pipe. Yeah. Pipes, yeah. And so, uh, oh, what? Well, why is the gospel that God spelled the good news? Why is it such good news? Well, because there's some things broken in the world, and the gospels come to fix it. So uh, he gives this kind of uh, rhythm that he imagines Christians to be in, which I think he's accurate on this. Hey, you come to Sunday morning, you figure out some part of your life, your relationships, your finances, your desires that are broken. You get the gospel that gets in there and fixes the gears. You apply that uh, this week, and then you come in, there's a new thing broken, and you apply it again. That is dissatisfying uh, to uh, Fujimara. Yeah. Well, Well, ultimately, it's also not fixing the problem, I think, and and the fundamental problem. Okay, tell us about that a little bit. Well, I mean, I think think this is his point, is that, uh, um, because he talks about you being the plumber and fixing the pipes, and you you get to hear these pipe-fixing sermons, is that, uh, well, give me an example. So, and churches do this, and and there is some utility to this, that they'll do By utility, there's some good things about this. There's some good to this. It's that to do financial management class, right? So you come mm-hmm. along to your six-week financial management class. And with that, and there, there'll be principles in there that help you manage money and help you not get into debt or too much debt or whatever. But, you know, I've had this debate with several pastors of mine over the years is how that, in actual fact, you're just kind of putting the, 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 sticking, uh, the sticking plaster over the top of the wound. You're not actually fixing the wound. The wound is that we put too much faith in what we can buy and what we can consume. I see. And what I see. we can consume. That's a good And his point is that the, that's, so we're fixing the pipes and we're, we're helping you manage your debt. The question mm-hmm. really is, why am I in debt in the first place? Is it for a virtuous cause? Is it for a good thing? Am I, there's because there's a big difference between buying a home that will be there as an appreciating asset and buying a boat that will be a depreciating asset. And Wait, that's not what? to say, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, 
So that's a pretty crude example because I'm not. But, but it's not helpful anti- though, yeah. uh, but because. But uh, I don't want people to think I'm like anti-boat or something like that. But the point is that you underneath, underneath, there's a where are your desires? Back to that Augustinian question: mm-hmm. Where are your desires? Mm-hmm. And his point about fixing the pipes is that too many sermons and too many times you go to church, you're up here fixing the presenting symptom. And not the underlying disease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it's focused on the dorsal fin yeah. of the shark, the shark. and not, not the, the shark, shark itself. And what you need to be concerned about is the thing with the teeth. The thing with the teeth. The fin is just a an yeah. indicator of what's below the yeah. surface. And and the way that he continues this uh, very helpful plumbing analogy is asking, well, what in the world are the pipes there to begin with? What are they there for, for yeah. uh, to begin with? And if we don't get that question right, if we if we don't get understanding and live into, if you will, to stretch the analogy, getting the pipes not only just fixed, but understanding where they're flowing and where they're coming from, we're, we're going to be in a hopeless state. Hopeless state. And this opens up this yeah. beautiful... Uh, yeah, very new to me. Uh, yeah. That the theology that he calls theology of making. Yeah, theology yeah. of making. Yeah, and his contention, of course, is that the artist has access to that in 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 this kind of really profound way. You know, the artist is 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 one who makes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and in making, sees the true or at least can perceive perhaps the true purpose of things, that he sees more than just the pipes or she sees more than just the pipes, but the flows through those pipes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you put there, where, is, where does this stuff come from and where is it going to? Mm-hmm. And that allows the great artist to be able to present to us, present back to us something that um, illustrates, but also inspires the kind of humanness that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's... he. This is a book, it'll take me a while to process this, but this is really an encouraging, I, I find this really, really encouraging, you know? Yes, I, I, I do too. Uh, and, you know, to, to, two of the things uh, about the pipes that uh, he mentions is it's not that the artist has a unique vocation and ability to see, as you said, the nature of things, but Fujimara is also quite... Um, democratic, if you will, yeah. about that because we are made in the image of the great artist, capital A, that God is the great artist, that we are all by extension, in different ways, of course, also makers or yeah. also little artists. Yeah. Now, he, he he goes through several chapters trying to convince us that yeah. because if you saw me drew, draw stick figures, you would be like, you, Joshua, are not an artist. But what he means there is simply... Uh, a, a a beautiful making of things through beauty and mercy that uh, are, are are creating order and processes and uh, objectives and achieving those for purposes that are are greater than or goes beyond simply utility. So yeah. this can mm-hmm. go all the way down to organizing a pencil drawer. Um, something as mundane as that, he he doesn't. Well, give, even as mundane as your philosophy PhD. That I mean, we now we're getting very mundane. Now we're getting very. But yeah. the point is really there because that's your art. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah, and that's a, that's his point is that we're all 
as makers, artists with a small a, that's that is our humanity. And when we don't do that, we that are, is our we're humanity. Dehuman, yeah, we're dehumanizing ourselves. Right. So to right. the extent that we don't engage in those things that involve our making and forming, uh, we're kind of dehumanizing ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, um, like I say, another kind of profound insight here. That. Um, yeah, I just just loved that, and and I didn't want to be facetious about your. I did want to be facetious about your PhD. I think but you did. I think yeah. I did. I think yeah. I did actually. Yeah. You know, now I think about it. Now I challenge myself, but that was not really the purpose. The purpose is just to say we're all given something to do, and that we can make, and that making can be beautiful, and that making also affirms our humanity, and also crucially gives us access to something about God that we would not know in any other form. Yeah, 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 and I think that's. We are all artists in that sense. That's what makes us human. And we bring that, we can bring that creating into work. Yeah, yeah. That's what, and, yeah. And, and creating, uh, he, he makes this distinction where he, he puts his uh, thumb on this, this pulse of either Western or American Christianity that has kind of commoditized. Did I say yeah. that right? Commodita- commoditized. Commoditized. Yeah. The, the English and Japanese. I know. You're an expert I'm like, and, wow. Yeah, linguist. Uh, commoditize the gospel of not only, hey, take this gospel and it'll fix XYZ, your finances, your marriage, or whatever, uh, but we're trying to sell you yeah. the gospel. And the way that you know that the gospel is succeeding is if your church attendance is yes. up or if you yeah. have people in your programs. Or, and of course, all these metrics can have some utility you know we're not against all metrics or something like that but what he says is the gospel is not primarily about usefulness yeah right that there there's a there's a a higher value yeah yeah and bringing that goal of in my case the craft of uh uh my my scholarship or as an engineer uh, uh, designing to solve some type of technical problem or diagnosis for a doctor and so on through the various homemaking and all, all the rest of the goal is not simply to fix but to this higher uh, this higher value of making something more beautiful than we found it. Yeah. And that may take, he describes his own... Uh, uh, art making uh, of this uh, binding together of these broken pot shards and how he intentionally picks uh, uh, methods that are painstakingly slow. Yeah. Um, and in one particular uh, description, uh, the the type of ink that is required uh, require, uh, grinds together poison sumac. Yeah. And so poison sumac is in the family of uh, poison poison leaves like poison ivy and poison oak. And so a lot of people have reactions to it. Yeah. So you have to like wear gloves and it takes something like a year to dry. Mm. I had to read that twice. Yeah. And he's like, this is like against all methods of efficiency. Yeah. There are more efficient ways, but is it more beautiful? Yeah. And so we, we as Christians called to the one who is beauty God is beauty itself. We uh, we have different pursuits than simply getting things done. Yeah, that's one of our values. Yeah, like we we don't want to just contemplate as you yeah. uh, uh, say, but uh, sometimes it's good just to yeah uh, take. Well, it I mean, in, I think you know? he's that's a very 
powerful part of the book, and 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 I think there's something there to do with attentiveness as well. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you being being aware and attentive towards the craft, and but many of these things, the the artist is simply one who is one who illustrates how we should kind of orientate ourselves towards the world, like that attentiveness. Yeah, not everything in the world takes a year to dry or whatever. Sure. But that basic attention to the world around us and the attention to the people around us, that is something that I think he would he would say, yeah, the artist can show you what the value of that attentiveness is. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that um, in fact, even things like value, I'm not even sure that's the right word, the appropriateness of that attentiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, because value these, almost yeah. gives the connotation, right, that's, that it's like, oh, you value this and I value this. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... So things like value, things like efficiency, those kind of things, those are words from a different context. And bringing them into this context, I think we lose the the the, the truth and reality of the art itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and look, and I don't think, and again, I might be wrong about this because I'm not really processing this book. But I think what he's also telling us is that this kind of sense, we've talked a lot about the 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 divide between the sacred and the secular. But here, there's also some kind of divide that's being broken down between the, the maybe in in uh, university terms, the kind of um, between engineering and the arts, mm-hmm. right? Between mm-hmm. between these technical stuff like STEM, for example, and and the humanities, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that actually shouldn't really exist. The, these are these are all parts. This this kind of artist is showing you. That it's all that it is one whole, right? The dividing up of knowledge like that as to has not actually helped us a great deal either. It is it what's has dividing our dividing our souls ultimately, yes, exactly. Because yeah. that because how it's broad strokes divided in the academy is oh you want to know what the purpose of life is go to the humanities you want to know how to get things done in the world go to the go to the stem, stem yeah. and I love his. Uh, his theology that he called theology of making and that everyone, everyone makes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's not just the artists yeah. who are making, it's the engineers who are making. Yeah. So we need to humanitize yeah. uh 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 quote unquote the the STEM fields, but we also need to like bring truth and reality yeah. uh, to the humanities. Last word about this before we, I guess we're probably getting to the end of our time here, but one of the things I felt was really useful as well is that really in that theology of making, built in there is this, is, um, it's kind of a system analysis because people say to, to people in our world, they talk about the systemic nature of, you know, whatever things, economic injustice, let's say that, for example. Okay. And, and I think he certainly, and there might be a view of that that says, well, that's not true. Um, you just need to use the system and it will create great economic outcomes for those who work well. Mm. His point, I think, would be something like that. No, you need to pay attention to that. You need to pay attention to the systems, to pay attention to and be attentive to the systems that create the outcomes. Are they in themselves the work of the maker? You know, those things too are important. Mm. And mm. I think that was uh, this whole the whole perspective of this. We didn't even talk about his perspective on knowledge and the way that we we mm-hmm. understand things, which I think is also a pretty profound challenge to many of us in the Western world um, and people like me who are brought up as engineers. That kind of propositional element of knowledge. He's he's trying to teach us that we can go beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Let's let's just camp out for for just one or two minutes on that aspect because okay. I think it 
it, it runs so deep through our listeners and indeed yeah. in, through us yeah. that it's it's kind of hard to see the water that we're swimming in yeah. because uh, talking about how, so we use this phrase propositional knowledge, uh, the knowledge that P, that something is the case, uh, is not the deepest form of knowing. And this is illustrated and not even the most helpful in yeah. what we're trying to communicate about the gospel. He he talks uh, about how you know that there are philosophies and theology theological systems that attempt to argue people uh, into uh, the faith. And while there might be um, uh, some good things about showing the reasonableness of uh, the Christian faith, like. If that's where we stop, we've missed this profound uh, uh, depth of the Christian faith that is not, people are not going to be argued into. Rather, what Christians need to uh, be concerned with is not simply winning arguments, but making beautiful things. Yeah. That's a, that, that to him, that's almost a, a more powerful more apologetic, powerful. Yeah. right? Yeah. That if we, like there's a, there's a time, a space, a, a context that we need to have people working out these quote-unquote propositional arguments, but the fullness and the multivariedness of the Christian life and, and what we're offering to the world needs to be made through its uh, uh, through Christians making beautiful well, things. and just things, it's intrinsic beauty. I think yeah. it, the, the faith's intrinsic beauty is the, is the is the attractive thing. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I see this from a perspective of my kids, and that uh, there there is no argument to be won there. there you're not going to win an argument to them. And my kids all do okay in the faith, but uh, at the end of the day, that's not how you're going to attract them yeah. to the faith just yeah. by simply arguing their way into the kingdom. Yes. I, I just don't see that. That's right. And that's I'm right. less and less convinced that that is a strategy that's actually worth anything. Mm-hmm. I'm more convinced, and maybe, and this guy was really confirming a lot of this, is more more convinced that the creation of good and true things, uh, um, true works even, uh, the creation of good things, mm-hmm. the creation of beautiful things, and that intrinsic beauty that is within the faith when it's practiced well, that is the attractive thing. That is the... That is the for want of a better word, the evangelical posture. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful uh, ending for this episode. Hopefully this has helped you to give a sense of what Fujimara uh, is, is presenting and that you can jump into the chapters assigned for this week. I've been your host on the True Works Podcast. My name is Joshua Smith, and I have Dougie Fresh. I meant Doug Meekle. Uh, joining so, me as my co-host. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, that's my rap handle, but yeah. uh, but not many people know that. Yeah, yet, but he is an up and rising star. Thank you. If you want to hear uh, more of our podcast, you can find our podcast on all platforms, or you can visit us on our website at trueworkshouston.org. Thank you so much, and see you next time.